Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Okay, so I'm here with Eric Rolston and Aicha Bass again today on the podcast. Uh, Aicha, thank you for joining us again, and it's fun we get to interview Eric today. How uh, has your time been since our last interview with Martin? Oh, oh, it's uh, really fun and we got really good feedback uh, on top of what we did in the first episode. I'm so excited to interview Eric as well. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. You're welcome. And Eric, it's good to see you. It's been a hot minute um, since we've met in person. I can't even remember when that, where that was, but when we were talking about this product that you've launched at the time, that was kind of a twinkling in your eye. So do you want to introduce yourself for the people listening so they know who they're listening to? Very happily. So I'm Eric Ralston. I am the co-founder and CTO of soundbite.ai. Yes, I don't think we've seen each other since the before time, although we did have one chat in 2020 where we were trying to strategize about the best way to integrate M365 with Soundbite. And how long have you been in this industry for? Is this a new venture for you? And I guess the M365 ecosystem, or have you been in this ecosystem for a while? Oddly enough, uh, I've been in the business of making M365 extensions since working at a mostly SharePoint-focused Australian ISV, uh, where we first met running the Microsoft event circuit. And that was 2015. And since then, I've been knee-deep in .NET, Azure, and 365. And so what does the product, what does it actually do? How can it help customers of M365? It's in the general enterprise collaboration space. It's for internal communications, has some external communication features. Right now, it is an audio-centric, primarily short-form tool for sharing clips from one person to large groups. You can do anything from a company-wide podcast to team updates. You can do things like replacing a weekly status meeting by just having a two-minute soundbite from your team or sending them to each other. Uh, And we we think it's really an opportunity to take that, the general consumer trend of podcasts in the year 2019 reached the late majority. And with enterprise software, usually there's a three to five year window between the consumer late majority and the enterprise early adopter. We saw it once with the iPhone, we saw it with the iPad, we saw it with the BYOD revolution. And just, if you ever want an enterprise app idea, just look at what what consumers are finally doing 50% plus one habits and try to see how you can adapt that to the workplace. Yeah, it's smart. I love the idea. Obviously, I'm a big fan of podcasts externally. And um, funnily enough, I'm starting one internally at Microsoft where I'm interviewing PMs about what they're doing to be more customer focused. And so it's an interesting challenge with the base Microsoft 365 product to, to achieve that right now. So I'm interested to see what you've done with the product to kind of line up M365 in those ways. Particularly the security challenges where you want to have an authenticated experience where you know who you shared it with and make sure that only they can listen to it and make it so the login experience in particular. One of the one of the key aspects we have for our product right now is we have a Teams app. So when you receive a notification, it's right within Teams. You can pop it open in Teams. You can start listening. And it is tailored to you as an audience member. And there's metrics inside of it to know that you listened to it, to that you acknowledged it. And there's reporting on the back end. It has all, like I said, all that sort of security reporting, all those barriers to entry for enterprise that for a lot of developers. But since I grew up in it in my career, I actually feel like it's 
it's much, much easier nowadays with Microsoft 365 and Azure than ever. And I think there should be a whole wave of scrappy startups like my own that will love the ecosystem. And Eric, how long um, have these products available to customers to use? And not only the product itself, but the Teams app. You mentioned you also have a Teams app, how long it is also available. The Teams app has been out for about six months. Uh, we recently updated it. We've gotten it into App Source. It's in the team marketplace. Everybody listening to the podcast, you search for Soundbite and you're about three clicks away from having it in your in your own ecosystem. The pitch for Soundbite was about 24 months ago. I pitched the idea to another gentleman, much like how I've met Jeremy in the Microsoft event circuit. I met my, I met my co-founder, Mike Lancey, in the Microsoft event circuit. And when, when it came around to 2020, in 2020, I was being paid in Australian dollars. And in a one week period, I suddenly cost 35% more to pay due to the foreign exchange fluctuation coming out of the pandemic at the very beginning. So unfortunately, the company I was working for at the time had to let go of the US product team. And in that time, I, I had built up some ideas and Soundbite was the one that really took the best path forward, especially that you're in the midst of 2020, my kids were home starting in March um, and my, at the time, nine-year-old entered this multi-month period of just being home alone on the computer trying to learn. And she literally never heard her teacher's voice again. And that lack of connection, everyone moving to remote work, it just seemed like such a once in a generation opportunity to think about how do we do async work? How do we do connection? How do we keep teamwork going in the pandemic? And how is that going to be the rest of forever for enterprise collaboration? Our lives turns into a teams and uh, someone must still continue working like that, like me. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the, the amazing part of it was, is, you know, being internal to Microsoft with that, like living in teams, you know, we're all in the product groups. We're all on dog food. So in the top right corner of teams, like DF is above our name. And, you know, we were really dog fooding technology that was building built very, very quickly. And there were definitely times early on in that pandemic where they were building that thing so quick that it didn't really stand up very well internally, but customers were loving it externally. And some days I was like, oh, man, I know we have to be on dog food because we need to iron out the kinks before we leave it to the customers. But there was definitely an element of stress of, of being on a platform that was moving so fast. And it's incredible, like just with Ignite last week, to see all the new features, they're still pumping out. Like at what point do you like, okay, Teams is done. There's everything's in, in the back. But, you know, I think with what the internal product group's doing and then folks like you are doing by building in additional scenarios like this, I think it's really neat. So I'm just intrigued, like with what you've built in Teams, what levers and extensibility points have you built out that make sense for your product to light up in different ways across Teams and other platforms? In Teams specifically, we, we obviously made our Teams app and then we rely upon MS Graph for the Teams notifications piece. Uh, when when a soundbite gets published, it'll, it'll notify everyone in that relevant audience. And for a lot of companies, we, we have customers in construction. Um, you think about healthcare scenarios, you think about retail. We have customers who are in um, restaurants. None of them have a keyboard in their life when they're at work. All of them have their computer in their pocket and a lot of them, you know, they're not going to write back on anything and they're not going to spend time reading. I think all of us, even in the corporate world, were overwhelmed by text and burnt out on video anyway. 
a little lighter uh, collaboration, probably for status-oriented things, things that are very transient. Makes a lot more sense. Relevant to the so relevant to the world of M365, we have the Teams app. We have an SPFX web part, so you can drop that into SharePoint. It it also works with the new fourth, you know, the reimagined Viva experience. It also works in there. Um, we have a couple of customers doing integrations with Yammer, where you can pu push, uh, you know, links into the feed and actually you know works in previews fairly well. I will say that relevant to this week, I'm actually very excited for uh, Syntex. I would love to see some of our transcript content being pushed into Syntex. You could tell that story of turning content into knowledge. I was like, ah, that's the next step. Uh, you know, what if every conversation was run through and analyzed and annotated and you could jump in and just see it at a glance and you didn't have to read every line of text that was sent to you. Um, and then you'd know what to listen to. Yeah, it's true. It could, you could get, you could skim the transcript and know why I should really listen to this audio. And I, I actually do that. We have that it's been lit up for us for a while internally. And if there's meetings that I know I'm not going to be contributing to constantly in the meeting, I'll actually not go to the meeting and I'll watch the recording on two speed. Um, but I'll make the decision on whether I watch that meeting based on the syntax stuff that comes out where it shows who's talking and what topics were covered. And so it's, it's really handy just to kind of speed up my time. I spend in meetings every day, which is great. So to go back on topic a little bit, sorry, we're like spitting over a bit. From a tech side, you say you've built it in Teams, you've built it in the Viva connections and available in SharePoint. Like the, the biggest question I have is like, where do you put the audio files? Are you are you putting them in their tenant or are you storing them outside? And what was the decision you made around that? Obviously, we are Azure end-to-end. -end, and right now it is it is basically contained within Azure. We keep it. We keep it in our own Azure tenant because that's the way we control our, the user experience. The fact that we have these multiple M365 apps, we also have a web, pure web-based side called Soundbite Studio. And we do want to go for that horizontal platform that can fit into any corporate ecosystem. And it makes it so re pure reliance on M365 is not in the roadmap so much as surfacing to M365. All the companies that are already plugged in, they already have it available. It solves so many it breaks through so many barriers to entry to just drop it into Teams and light it up. That said, not everybody has that luxury. Maybe some people are stuck on their Slack plus Zoom best of breed approach. Those folks even more so probably need Soundbite because they don't have a unified positive uh, user experience like an M365 user would have. So we are trying to make it so it's, it's cross-platform and open ecosystem. I think it's a huge takeaway for anyone listening to this of that decision point because uh, Martin last week with Office at Work, um, you know, he's all in and he's targeting the Microsoft 365 customer base solely. Whereas for a partner like yourself, where you actually want to be able to be flexible enough to go after other ecosystems like Slack and Zoom, um, I think it's really, it's important really your architecture not to be so tied in. And and again, there's nothing wrong with that, with what we're looking for, because ultimately you can integrate with Teams and SharePoint and, and Viva connections in both both ways. So that's, uh, it's interesting to hear that for sure. And Eric, I'm interested, uh, by the way, as a person who lives half time watching their videos, recordings, because our teams are based in the US and a person living in Dubai always watches the recordings and transcript is something really what I'm curious because I can search, first of all, in the text and find out if something I was looking for is mentioned without even watching the video. 
it seems like Soundbite is evolving, uh, continuously evolving, and you're adding new features. Where did you start off in the first place? Which uh, portion of the product you started at first, and now it's even getting bigger? The most critical starting point was actually the onboarding of users, how to do reporting, how to do management. So we actually had a very basic audio sharing capability at first. It was literally upload a simple clip, pick an audience for it, push it out. And that audience was actually is actually driven by syncing Azure Active Directory, for instance. You'll sync a set of groups or a set of users and it gets shattered into the system and then it, it makes your audience. So the actual sharing is very simple compared to the amount of effort in the early days it takes to do things like authentication, onboarding, and reporting. M365 obviously helps with that. Azure helps with that. But uh, like I said, those, those barriers to entries for, for an enterprise SaaS can be very high. Uh, and the fastest way to break through them is, is to basically go with Microsoft. What kind of data are you using for the reporting? It drives a lot around how many listens does a clip have? How many people does it engage with? There's a concept of acknowledgement to have that sort of, if, if there's a necessary HR podcast, they actually can track who checked a box to say, yes, I listened to that. Uh, they can they can tell who loaded it, and they can tell uh, the amount of minutes listened, amount of mis- minutes spoken. Um, our entire business model is actually around consumption uh, pricing. So every minute listened and every minute spoken is actually what we drive the the pricing on, and it's dynamic to how much you use it. Uh, we have really high hopes that that's going to keep us from ever being zombie software, where there's a lot of dollar per user per month uh, pricing models. And it just makes it so every year the IT, IT reviews whether or not you have sufficient engagement. And then they drop you if there's not enough to justify how n number of dollars that you're bringing in. Um, but there's a lot of newer technology like Azure is consumption based. You, know, you, you pay as you go. Um, and we really shadow that with our offering. And we think it's actually a really unique competitive advantage. Um, and all of that shows up in reporting because you can manage your Basically, you're managing your spend by managing your minutes, and all of that surfaces through our reporting dashboard. When you did this, like how long have they been in market publicly versus like piloting it with? Did you have a seeded amount of customers that were interested in this, um, and that you work with, or going going back to when we first spoke? That was in that first six to nine month searching for product, searching for product fit and function. Uh, we had a lot of network across all the people I'd ever met through all of these Microsoft events. Um, you know, additional former colleagues I had at other Microsoft-centric businesses. We we talked through what is what is the basic uh, use cases for audio, the fundamental use cases for audio, and a lot of them did have replacing replacing meetings or augmenting meetings in some way. You know, I came from a background where we had an Australian product team, a U.S. product team, an Irish product team. And there was no way to have one meeting with all of that, just like just like your Dubai problem. And that experience, the experience really falls apart uh, due to geography, even though we claim it's an anywhere technology, it's not an any when technology. Interesting. And you mentioned that uh, Soundbite is available on Teams and also on web. Um, is it also available somewhere else like Office Store or any other place that people can go ahead and use? Yeah, you can head over to AppSource and you can check out our offering. You can get a free trial on it on AppSource with Soundbite. We have the Teams app, like I mentioned. The SPFX web part is available by request. And you can always go to soundbite.ai and you can always get a, a free trial going on. 
Uh, we have a lot of companies that are just using the web because they just have that best of breed, multifaceted uh, toolbox rather than that nice unified M365 offering. Uh, all of them, all of them can light it up fairly easily if they have, if they have Active Directory or, or Okta, in fact. Because we're, like I said, we're trying to branch out, be a horizontal platform, and not be tied to, not to be tied to only companies that have monolithic tech stacks. And do you help with the production of the podcast as well? Like obviously right now we're kind of ghetto. We're using Audacity on each local machine recording. I'm going to send it to a producer to stream it together. Like how, at what stage do you take the audio from them versus them helping them create it in the first place? We basically have two workflows. You can produce the podcast externally. We have certain guidance that we offer people as far as how do you develop content that's interesting? How do you, how do you harness brevity being the soul of wit? Um, how do you make it so internal comms can actually be in any way exciting? You can you can produce outside and make a very polished podcast and you can upload directly to the platform and it will pull it all back down and you're basically using it as a distribution channel. You're using it as a secure, scalable distribu- distribution channel that fits within your company ecosystem. Or you could just hit record and we have the built-in recorder. Uh, we do certain filtering and sampling on the on the client side to make it so you get a nice clean sound, just like how you get nice clean sound out of conferencing apps. Now we use some of that same technology to clean up the echo and the and the noise and factors like that, and then you can upload it straight away. The core use case that we actually have, the majority of content is actually very short form content. You could do a twenty minute full size podcast if you wanted to, and certainly it works for that. But more likely, the you know teams passing information. There's only two minutes at a time that you likely need to broadcast info to people. I mean, speaking of speaking of consumer trends that become corporate trends, short form in many ways might might have a future in the enterprise. Here we are sitting amongst the era of TikTok and Reels and whatnot. So what is the TikTok and Reels of the enterprise? It's likely something that's shorter form. You know, you could get your two minutes at a time when you're sitting in Dubai without working without worrying about watching that whole 30 minute meeting that you were skipping over anyway. So I think there's a big future for short form in the enterprise, just like how it's taking over consumer trends right now. It's kind of interesting because like with the store, when you or app source, you're when you're the apps being consented into a customer, because you're not using OneDrive SharePoint to store the audio files, you're not actually asking much in terms of the graph access. Like you mentioned that you're you're requesting the activity feed in Teams, which is a specific consent scope. And then obviously you're doing sign in as the user as a delegated, and that's I mean th- there's not many other scopes you're using, right? No, you're you're actually most of the way on describing it. The really cool thing about Graph and and Active Directory, you know, you can do very progressive claims. So we actually have three routes into it. We have the actual Teams app itself opens up certain doors when it is installed. That is how we get the activity feed. The client when they actually touch the the app, when I talked about doing onboarding, we very much want to make it so you could spread virally amongst uh, an enterprise without without engaging the IT team necessarily for your pilot. And that makes it so we have that client side, you know, the, the pure, the MSOL NPM libraries just sitting in there. It will do it will do enough authentication that the default active directory settings for an app make it so you could actually log in and we could hand you an organization if you're able to log in. 
A lot of companies lock that down, obviously. Uh, and then we have a third level. The third channel is you can do more of a server to server if they fully granted admin access. That's something that usually only IT can do. That is how we get things like the calendar integration, the user and groups uh, synchronization, and then being able to send uh, Teams notifications also require the other side to handshake. Um, but it, it, it's very progressive, like I said, and that, that onboarding flow, making it so you could start from zero be the first person to go into Soundbite and then onboard into an organization. You know, it fits into that product-led growth category that is so big right now. PLG is a really good way to get that uh, get that first taste into the organization without having to engage IT into the security review for at least some some organizations that are interested in your product. Yeah, and I think that's a huge learning. Like when I was at um, Hyperfish, it was similar, where we had tools that you could run on your local machine without necessarily needing to go speak to the tenant admin to get a sample of what, what could be done before you then had the lift and shift of having to engage at a much deeper level. So it's a good takeaway to really think about permissions because I've seen somewhere there's like 20 things they're asking for and that can really put off a tenant admin of like, well, why do we need all these things just to try the app? Like, is there a sliver of the product we can try first with a few things? And if we're happy with that, then we can give you kind of more bigger keys to the kingdom inside the inside the tenant. And so it's a very, very good strategy from that side. Are there are particular verticals you're targeting. Like there's a few stories you've told that seem, you know, you mentioned retail at the beginning and I like this concept of users not having a keyboard. Are there particular verticals you've you've seen good traction here with with this? Yeah, we have a couple of case studies actually sitting on the website. If you want to go check out uh, soundbite.ai, you can see some of the some of the first line worker, as Microsoft likes to call them, those first line worker studies. Uh, for instance, we have a construction company that uh, has armed their workforce with just phones with SMS. And that's all they have. So they use our external collaboration features to publish a public soundbite. And then they use our user and groups management features where they're, they're 80 users. They are, they are in fact Active Directory users, but they don't have email addresses or licenses tied to them. So they're coordinating all their soundbites just through SMS. And that's a great example of sort of the first line worker, unique to the construction industry where they have high turnover, et cetera. Uh, and then the the other key area would probably be you know, retail workers slash customer service. So if you're running a large restaurant chain, for instance, we have a large restaurant chain where the huge opportunity for them is the, the CEO of the company can send out a soundbite to their workforce. Their workforce could just hop in on teams and all of those, all of those worker, all those workers who don't have, they don't have a desk, they don't have a keyboard, they don't have a laptop, where are they going to go? Uh, they're going to pop in their AirPods and they're going to listen to the CEO talk to them first thing in the morning while they're doing the first five minutes of cleaning up the store and taking down the chairs and all those things. Yeah, that's clever. That's perfect that it's not only tied into the organizations and organizational data, but you can also provide standalone uh, service to the workers who don't have laptops or even email address. Seems like it's not quite necessary. Which is awesome. As Jeremy said, uh, it's interesting that you're not coll collecting a lot of organizational data. Seems like it's more uh, standing on top of profile information of the person and then you're tracking the engagements and the impressions through the content. And that's quite impressive. It, it, it's interesting to watch. It will be interesting to watch where it will go with the new features and the development. I also have one question because it seems like 
uh, there are new features in the pipeline too. What things would like to see uh, Microsoft doing, especially for the Microsoft 365 side, because both Jeremy and I work on the Microsoft 365 developer platform world. Is there anything that uh, might help your customers to be more productive? From an M M365 developer experience standpoint, first off, things are already really fantastic. The amount of work it really takes to develop any single feature that I've discussed, you know, you're doing things in you're doing things in weeks as a developer to deliver them to a customer that takes them minutes to set up. And it's it's already really high, it's already really high bar. And you guys do so much effort putting in examples. And you know, there's there's three examples I ripped apart on GitHub that are just sitting there in order to make the entire integration for Active Directory. And it's, it's really a very good developer experience already. My big thing coming out of Ignite is actually syntax. And like I, like I mentioned, I hope that facets of syntax and syntax as an API is going to be available in Graph because feeding information in is really huge. Um, splitting it, splitting user experience back out. I know there's certain things that were already in cognitive services that we've already been eyeing from a roadmap standpoint and just more cognitive services coming online so you can weave it into a user experience or we can export our data back out because we are a data source. And companies, data is the new oil. Companies need every bit of data that they can to be aggregated and moved about. And we think syntax and everything behind it is probably going to be another outlet for, it'll be just as important a listener as your audience of workers who's going out there. You think about those four roles in the RACI chart, the responsible, accountable, consulted, informed. The people who are accountable and informed basically only need to listen in. And if you're trying to be accountable and informed from Dubai while your team is over here in Washington hacking away on code, you know, it's it's not going to be plausible for you to stay in touch. But if you could if you could surface the sound bites through something like syntax and it's already pre-minced them for you, I actually think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I do like that aspect of it. It'd be interesting as well with like graph connectors to plug into search so that you could discover them in search too. That'd be the neat part, especially because architecture, you've made the decision to have the files kind of sit outside. Like you need to use graph connectors to get those that content inside the walls of M365 so it's discoverable in that way. So yes, I'm excited to see what you do with that product. Question that I get asked to ask ISVs there's an audience that listens to this, like, I've got a really cool idea, but I'm just not sure what things I should be doing as a partner to be successful working with Microsoft. I often call it playing the game. Um, and it's a game I've played for a long time externally and obviously now work with a lot of ISVs that play it um, with, with us. But what initiatives are you plugged into in Microsoft and what benefits have they given you in, in that way? Like, you know, just to kind of set the scope of this, like ISV startup program or, you know, global partner solutions program, like what things are you using and how you've seen value as a, as a partner in this ecosystem? Yeah, Microsoft has been a great partner. The two sides I would say is from a technical partnership, First off, just using Azure, you know, if you're if you're looking to integrate with enterprise, it's obviously a huge it's a huge win from the right off the bat. And the trust and protect the trust and security that Azure offers gives our clients a lot of uh, assurance. But going beyond into the actual ISV partnerships, you know, obviously the the copy of Visual Studio our program on every day is the free license through Microsoft BizSpark. Um, the go to market motion that we've had. Um, has been supported by you know solution architects have to talk to our talk to us about our architecture. We've had individuals inside of Microsoft who are helping with go to market. There are many cloud providers and I have used more than one, but I would say 
Microsoft is the only one where they'll give you the technology and the go-to-market support. And I think that's really huge as far as picking your partners. You know, we're only a year and a half in. I actually got to that that Australian company. I was there for five years and they, they got very sophisticated in their partnership through to speaking engagements at events, uh, being being promoted during keynotes and, and actually graduating to that level. And it's actually very attainable. You just need to really work on work on your relationships, realize that there is a really long term gain to it, that there is a Microsoft and and your product story. And it's always a better together story. And I, I think there's growth that you guys are yet to have in your market share, growth you've had to have in your tech stacks, and you get to harness all of that when you partner, partner with Microsoft. That's great. That's good to hear you've plugged in that quickly. So early as well. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, after talking all about your products and we got so excited, where can people go ahead and try out? Is it, uh, you said it's your website, but also the teams as well? The easiest way to get started with Soundbite is to head over to soundbite.ai, reach out on our contact form, and we can set you up with a free trial. You can jump into AppSource, and you can find the trial experience right there, too. It's just a few clicks away and actually pretty quick to set up. Uh, If you jump straight into the Teams app without without something already set up beforehand, you might have a rocky time. It's basically just going to direct you towards us. So you might have an easier time going through AppSource. That's probably the number one channel right now. Well, I'd encourage anyone listening to try this out. It's, uh, I'm intrigued to see with MSIT, with the permission scopes you've got, wherever it might even allow us to use it internally, because um, there's certain permission scopes that they allow us to consent to deploy these things. So that'd be interesting. And then just a big thank you, Eric. I know this is, uh, this is a new segment for us in the show. And, um, you know, Aisha and I, you are basically our second uh, victim, shall we say, on the on the podcast talking to partners. But I really appreciate you spending time with us today and the effort in preparing for this uh, podcast. And I really hope people got value out of it. I, I definitely did myself. Um, and I, I really think, you know, wish you luck on it because I think it's a really good idea. And I hope our ecosystem can help you build your business and grow your customer base and be great to have you on you know, later on to hear an update of where you've got to and whether you've stuck with this product or, you know, it's evolved into something even more amazing. Yeah, I'd love to thank both of you for having me on. Uh, I do really enjoy the show. I've listened to quite a few episodes, actually. Um, And yeah, we're hoping to really keep growing. You know, we're targeting a million licensed users by 2023, so just next year. And hopefully we can come back and talk about this continuing success story of Soundbite. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> For me, actually, selfishly, I feel like I'm building my ISV network on top of the, this podcast because I've been listening to this podcast for uh, years now and uh, it's been going great. But now I get a chance to meet 101, which is really awesome. Excellent. Well, look, both have great weeks and um, yeah, good luck with good luck in the future, Eric. And thanks again for co-hosting today. I cheers. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Eric, for joining. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.M365DevPodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. 